Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for Now, what do we do? We do just like Daniel. We stand firm for what's right. We don't get political because political isn't going to solve it. Only salvation and people coming to Christ is going to solve that. And is it going to solve it on this earth? No, it isn't going to solve it on it. Pastor, if we're going to get better, everything's going to be perfect. God's going to come first. We'll have a perfect world. Everybody's saved. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but that ain't coming. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And yet when it's dark, a little bit of light is light. There is a sad truth to the world we live in. Today, Pastor Mark will enlighten listeners on the destruction that's coming to this earth. It can be easy to walk around and see the advancements of our culture and think, how can it get any better? We must remember that the enemy is deceptive and wants people to think that everything is okay. The Lord is only concerned with the spiritual state of his people, not the financial or technological. Scripture tells of the judgment that will come. As Christ followers, we're to be a light in this dark world that seems headed for disaster. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Another Amazing Vision, the Antichrist from the Old Testament. The, the complete ruin of this amazing Medo-Persian empire, which did away with Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And the kingdom of Greece is now in control exactly as predicted in the Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel, remember, he had to interpret that dream. So this is important. What God is predicting is 200 years in the future. He knows everything. It's 200 years into the future. Verse 8. And the goat, Greece, Alexander the Great, became very great. But at the height of its power, the large horn was broken off. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. The broken horn is Alexander. The great. It's a picture of his death, which occurred at Babylon. It came at the height of his power and was a complete surprise to everybody. He had conquered the whole known civilized world in 15 years. No, he thought, everybody thought Alexander the Great is going to go on forever and ever and ever. And yet his life just went down morally over and over and over again. And alcohol and sexuality came in. And realistically, 
He became so depressed, he tried to find meaning, purpose somewhere. He became so depressed that he actually died. We really don't know the whole cause, but he died at 33 years of age. Now, how tragic that he could take the whole world, the whole known world, amazing, at this young age. Think about that. Victorious over the whole world, but he couldn't. Take care of the rage and the emptiness and the brokenness that was in him. Now, this shouldn't surprise you. I want you to write this down. Even though you don't think it applies to us, it does. Alexander, who conquered the known world, he died broken and he died foolish. When you begin to think about that picture, no purpose, because there were no other countries to take, he got it all. When you begin to think about that, Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 26. Guys, online, watch it. You guys over in Orlando, watch this. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? Maybe Jesus was thinking about Alexander the Great, yet forfeits his soul. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What is Jesus doing? Well, he's speaking to his disciples initially, which means he's speaking to us. And he's saying, be careful of the dangerous temptation of spending your life wanting to be known really well, conquering the whole world, richest person in the world, or accumulating stuff and money possessions. So people talk about you. Jesus says, how irrational is that? Because to spend life trying to own the whole world, what good does it do? It's, it's foolishness. Because let's say we achieved all that like Alexander did. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not after the whole world. I'm, I'm just trying to get enough possessions to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm taken care of and, and my security is taken care of. Let me remind us tonight. Nothing wrong with having a will. Nothing wrong with having a nice retirement plan. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. That's wisdom, actually. But I want to remind you tonight, our security is not in a 401k. Our security is in Jesus Christ tonight. Be careful. Be careful. Because we don't think that way. In our papers, we don't see Jesus Christ, your security. We see the stock market. We see the, how many people are employed. What's going to happen to the interest rate? We need to be watching that. But understand this. If we die... When we die, excuse me, how much are we leaving behind? Every bit of it. Every single bit of it. How much, how much did people 100 years after Alexander the Great talk about Alexander the Great? Alexander who? You're gone. I've told people many times, when I'm well, finally gone or go on a mission field or do something down through the years or whatever, people will drive by this place about a year after I'm gone and say, remember Mark Baum? Remember, remember that tall, sharp-looking guy? <laughs> Careful. Let's say, what was his name? Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer? They won't even remember me. See, we think people think about us. They don't think about us. They're thinking about themselves. Could I hear an amen now? Come on. Yeah, you are too. Say, well, people will remember you. Maybe not. And this is why, you know, when you would die without a personal relationship, what do you have? You have no purpose in life. Our world doesn't understand that. You were not made for yourself. You were made to serve Jesus Christ. That gives us purpose. Alexander was amazing. 
but he had no purpose. He died broken. Remember what Jesus said? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be given to you. Whatever we need. Maybe you're hurting tonight. God says to you, remember the source. I'm your source. Now, here's what I want you to write. This is, this is what Jesus was trying to say. It's not possessions. It's not a position. It's not pride. It's not power. It's first. God first people in the use of our time. That gives us purpose. We're here tonight to put God first. Remember what we sing? Oh, to be like you. That's what we're trying to be like, to be like him. Jesus always put God first. Do you remember? He said, I only do those things that the father tells me to do. I wish I could say that to you tonight. But we struggle putting God first, don't we? Because we're selfish. And it's, then it's about what? People. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a people. Go ahead, just tell them right now. You're a people. Now, when you think about that, the person you just said hello to on your right and left is going to live somewhere forever. They're not stuff. They're a person. And then how are we using our time? Thanks for being here tonight at our campuses. You're using your time wisely because we're learning how to be like God through the word of God. Now, look at the last part of verse 8 again. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. When Alexander died, his kingdom was divided into four parts. We've already talked about that. Four new leaders. And they went east, west, south, and north. They went out to that known world. Now, look at verse 9. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east toward the beautiful land, speaking about uh, Israel. So this little horn that's coming out in chapter eight is not the same as the horn we saw, the little one in chapter seven. The little horn in chapter seven comes later. That is the Antichrist of the New Testament time, of really of the, of the tribulation time. And it came from the revived Roman Empire. The little horn that we're going to see in chapter 8 comes out of Greece. Now, here's what you want to write so that you'll keep the chapters and, and you'll understand the concept clearly. Antiochus is an Old Testament model or a picture uh, of the future Antichrist who will come during the tribulation. So what you're going to see as we look at Antiochus, his character and his goals, look almost identical to the Antichrist that's going to come thousands of years later. Now, Daniel talked about that last week as we explained to you the Antichrist that's coming during that time of the tribulation. First three and a half years, not so bad. Second three and a half years, called the Great Tribulation because all hell breaks loose realistically. Now, you're going to see tonight that these two, thousands of years apart, but run by the same person, who would that be? Satan, exactly right. Good job. Satan. Satan's behind all of it. And so you'll see exactly the same things. And what we know when we get to the tribulation, uh, initially, who are the, when you go through the whole period, who are the people that are going to be hurt the worst? Who is Satan, the Antichrist, after? The Jewish people. Why? Because he hates God. 
He hates Jesus and he hates God's people. Even though they're not godly, he hates them. So what do you think? Let's see how good you are. Hopefully I haven't confused you. What do you think Antiochus is going to be after? Gentiles or Jews? Exactly. He said, well, Pastor Mark, I'm not a Jew. Well, you're grafted in. You're part of God's family. What a good, good father we have tonight. Can I hear an amen? So it has a lot to do with us because it absolutely talks about God's people, his people. Now, the beautiful land, Israel, was attacked by Antiochus Epiphanes, that small horn, in the second century BC, 200 years, 200 years before Christ. He was the eighth ruler of this division that broke out of the Seleucid Empire. And two of the places that he took over, he took over Syria and he took over the nation of Israel. He was responsible to rule Israel and Syria. Again, very close in nature. Verse 10. And it grew until it reached the hosts of the heavens. And it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. So here we see Antiochus' pride as he's willing to do two things. He's willing to basically trample, persecute, fight against the Jews, God's people. And to be honest, he just soon fight against God. He thinks he's that. In fact, he gave himself a name. And he put it on coins. I am God manifest most glorious. Talk about blasphemy. Call himself God. Now, what is the Antichrist going to do during the tribulation? The very same thing as I told you. He's going against the Jewish people and trying to get the people of the earth to worship him and dish God. The very same thing. Now, when Antiochus came... Exactly what's going to happen during the tribulation. Uh, He wanted to eliminate the Jewish culture. To do away with religious practices. To replace the worship of God Jehovah with the pagan God Zeus and have people worship him. Now, we live in a culture today. What, what, What are they trying to do to Christian culture in the United States today? Eliminate it. Absolutely eliminate it. In our day. Not during the tribulation. Right now. Everything we stand for, everything is biblical. They're they're chipping away, they're chipping away, they're chipping away and trying to do all of that. That shouldn't surprise us because we're grafted in. We're God's people. Who's behind all of that? Is it the Republicans or the Democrats? No, who's behind that? Satan. Now, what do we do? We do just like Daniel. We stand firm for what's right. We don't get political because political isn't going to solve it. Only salvation and people coming to Christ is going to solve that. And is it going to solve it on this earth? No, it isn't going to solve it on it. Pastor, if we're going to get better, everything's going to be perfect. God's going to come first. We'll have a perfect world. Everybody's saved. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but that ain't coming. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And yet when it's dark, a little bit of light is light. So don't get discouraged tonight. This has all been in the past for us. For Daniel, it's in the future. Now look at verse 11. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army, of the Lord. That's what he was doing. It took away, you're talking about Antiochus, it took away, and you don't have to think about this because I'm going to put a list up what he did. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Lord and a sanctuary was thrown down. Because of rebellion, the Lord's people and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. 
It prospered in everything it did. And truth, if you like to write in your Bible, that's the Bible. The Bible was thrown to the ground. Now, from history, we know what Antiochus did. During the time he was there in Israel with the Jewish people, he slaughtered 80,000 Jewish men, women, boys, girls, and infants. 80,000. Just killed them. Next, he sold 40,000 Jews into slavery. We know this from history, exactly. He burned the Hebrew scriptures. Now, why would he do that? We don't know whether a Torah, whether they had roll scrolls, whatever. Of course, they didn't have the Gideon Bibles. That's why the Bible is so important. Satan hates the word of God. And if we don't give, and if we don't read, if we don't study, the world doesn't ever get the Bible. They need, some people just open the Bible. The Gideons have so many testimonies of it. And people just get saved by reading the Bible because it's alive. It comes right off the pages to them. Now, he prohibited the circumcision of male babies all the way down to that. Think of that. He just said, that ain't going to happen. You won't do it. Now, next, he dedicated the temple, the Jewish temple, to Zeus and eliminated all Jewish Worship. It's happening in plenty of places of the world already. Churches being dis- dismantled uh, in, in, in Egypt. They're just going to kill the, the, many of the Christians in Egypt. Uh, he plundered and removed all the treasures from the temple. So he went to their place of worship. He's trying to dig out their heart. Now remember, the church building to us isn't so important today. I mean, it's good to have one. It's nice to have air conditioning. In Florida, could I hear two amens at least right now? Okay. Yeah, I knew that. The ladies really came out in that one. But why was the temple being destroyed such a big deal for the Jews? Because God didn't live inside them. Where was his presence? If you wanted to be in the presence of God, what did you have to do? You had to come to church because that's where the presence of God was. Aren't we blessed tonight? We are the temple of the living God. You say, well, I don't have to come to church. What's wrong with you? <laughs> of course you're supposed to come. To, there's a commandment from the Lord. So understand how that affected the Jewish people. The Jewish people. Now, here, some history for you. I wanted you to put it because you'll see this. In December 167, time does fly, doesn't it? Antiochus erected an altar to Zeus, the pagan god Zeus, in the temple, offered a pig. Pigs are unclean animals for the Jewish people. On it. He took the blood and sprayed it all over the holy temple as a sacrifice to his god, Zeus. Now that's called the abomination that causes desolation. Now look what Jesus says about the future Antichrist and what he's going to do. Jesus says, so when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation. Now watch this. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus believe in the book of Daniel? How do you know? Read the verse. (laughs) So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the, say it with me, the prophet Daniel. Jesus believe it? Absolutely. He what? He put a stamp on the book of Daniel. Can I hear an amen? 
Well, I just kind of get it. People argued about that for centuries. Said, eh, it couldn't be in. There's too much predicting the future. That was written afterward. Daniel had nothing to do it. No, no, no. Jesus said, you're wrong. You're wrong. And he says this, let the reader understand. Now, when you see that, you have to understand this abomination caused desolation is exactly the same thing the Antichrist in the tribulation is going to do. There's going to be a temple rebuilt and amazing things are going to happen. He's going to go in and do the very same thing. He's going to, he's going to go in and then he's going to say, because the Jews early on in the first three and a half years, they think he's maybe the Messiah. So he allows them to build a retemple, but he goes in and, and sacrifices a pig and all kinds of different stuff and things. But basically what he does is he says, now here's the abomination that caused desolation. You worship me, the Antichrist says, because I'm God. And Jesus says, beware. That abomination is going to cause desolation. That's when the great tribulation starts and all hell breaks loose. Now look at verse 13. Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one say to him, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, the surrender of the sanctuary, and the trampling underfoot of the Lord's people, the Jewish people. And he said to me, it will take 2,300 evenings and morning, then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated or reconstructed. I want you to underline in that in your Bible for a moment. Just that last sentence, you say, well, why should I underline it? Let me show you something. This is huge. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar went into Israel and brought all those exiles from Israel, Daniel being one, what did he do to the temple that Solomon had built? What did he do to it? He destroyed it. He destroyed the temple totally and brought all the instruments. And remember, that was that, that, that night where all the crazy, the writing on the wall, and they used it just to drink wine and all that. So there was no temple. Now, what is Daniel thinking when he just read that verse? He says, he says basically, uh, there, there is going to be what? The sanctuary will be reconsecrated. Holy again. You're going to see what that looks like in a moment. So the Jewish temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar in 586 BC. And then the Jews, including Daniel, went to Babylon. And Daniel hears something what? In the future, will there be another temple built? Okay. Did I say that or did the Bible say that? No. It says in the future, it's going to be what? Rededicated. Well, you can't rededicate something that isn't there. So there's going to be another temple. What do you think Daniel's doing? Hallelujah. He won't be there, but he's going hallelujah. There's hope. By the way, is there going to be another temple? There isn't a temple today. Is there going to be another temple reconstructed during the tribulation? Yes, there is. Now, why does God do that? For his people. And the very same thing is going to happen there. This is amazing as you go through it. So this to me was a huge key. By the way, this prophecy is written 350 years before the time of Antiochus. The Antichrist will achieve great power by subduing others and promising false security. Today we learned more from Pastor Mark about the coming Antichrist now the visions in Daniel about him prove the credibility of the God we serve. Controlled by Satan himself, the Antichrist will be an enemy of Israel and oppose Jesus. But ultimately, his will will be terminated by God's divine judgment. Hallelujah. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. With all that is spoken of in Scripture regarding the terror-filled last days, how are we as Christ followers supposed to live? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners with ways to live the fulfilling lifestyle. Commitment and discipline towards spiritual growth, connecting to others in personal, vibrant relationships, and spreading the gospel to everyone, everywhere, are just a few of these ways. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.